Before we start the show, as this is our 10th episode, we'd love to hear from more from our listeners, whether that's a rating and a review on Apple Music, a tweet, or even giving us an email at unedited at edited.com. We'd really love to know what you've liked, what you'd like to see more of. So please slide into our DMs. So as Grace mentioned, this is the big episode number 10 of Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. Brought to you by myself, Vicky Giles, and the very wonderful, lovely Grace Hill. Oh, thank you. From fashion, beauty and homeware, Vicky and I will cover industry topics and shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. Well, hello, Grace. How are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm feeling great. We're approaching spring, summer. We're getting there. We make it through. It's so much nicer and it's so much lighter in the morning. Well, it's exciting. We've got lots of spring launches from retailers and brands hitting down at the moment. Anything particular caught your eye? Well, I'm off to Marrakesh, so I've been... Not that you've been talking about that. No, absolutely not. So I'm kind of trying to channel Sex and the City slash Real Housewives, Kaftans, you know... But yeah, definitely keeping my eyes on the spring launches. But, you know, trying to squeeze into a swimsuit is filling me with dread. But um, yes, how about yourself? Yeah, no, looking forward uh, in the middle of Paris Fashion Week at the moment. So having a, a good a good look at what everybody's putting out there. It's very exciting. It I myself am, am planning my sister. Well, my sister's wedding is coming up. <gasps> in about a month's time. So I'll be trying to squeeze myself in some kind of bridesmaid's outfit by the time that comes along. That is unreal, but only you could pull that off. <laughs> I'm still in the market for a sage green bridesmaid's dress. So, so anyone, our, our theme is green this year. You heard it here first, Bryce. You heard it here first. <laughs> the I mean, it's definitely green. the colour of the year. It is, it is. But what is that? What is that? You've been looking for something particular, haven't you? Like a pistachio green. Pistachio sagey, but it's got to, you know, it's got to be a yellow tone. <laughs> Very specific, Grace. Very specific. <laughs> so today in the podcast, we want to unlock the ambiguity of AI in retail. Discussing what AI is and what it means for the retail and fashion industry today. How we harness AI here edited within our retail decision-making platform to help retailers drive sales and improve business performance, whilst considering the other applications of AI in the wider retail market. What makes AI so important and useful for retailers and how it's improving our business performance? So we have a wonderful guest today who is Alejandro, our data science lead here at Edited. He's actually a two-time Chammy winner. So for those of you who don't know, this is kind of a big deal. It's Edited's version of the Oscars. So he is basically the Brad Pitt of Edited. I've always thought that of him. (laughs) Absolutely. Very smooth. Um, So when he's not winning awards, he develops data tools and algorithms that empower fashion retailers to make business-critical decisions, impacting their product assortment, pricing, and phasing strategies. He grew up in Ecuador and has lived in the US, Canada, and the UK. He holds a PhD in image analysis from UCL and has a global career spanning technology, consulting, and academic research. So with no further ado, Alejandro, welcome. Alejandro, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, I'm really excited about being here. I know we've been talking about data science for a long time, so I'm exactly. happy to ha- come here and like explain a little bit of what I do. 
Amazing. I think this is going to be so useful for our listeners because we hear a lot about AI, whether it's in the news, whether it's in the industry. And I think for you to come here and being able to kind of unlock the ambiguity of it in retail, especially. So what is AI and, and what does it mean? Yeah, it's actually really nice to come and talk about this like in person because I think it's a it, it, AI has become a like catch-all terms that means too many things to too many people, and it's often conflated with like any kind of scary technology that's coming our way. But it actually is related to some really specific things that are happening at the moment, and they are some of them are exciting, and so and some of them like what we're doing with it is we think exciting, and what is happening in the industry is exciting. So it's nice to talk about it a little bit. I guess the first thing I would say is like, yeah, AI is something that has come to mean way too many things. So it's been used like from talking about the so the, the, the way that bad guys act on video games to, uh, you know, a sort of technologies that we use to analyze data, to machine learning, to, I don't know, you know, basically robots. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, so it's, it's sort of like science fiction and then some real things. So <laughs> <laughs> I can, we can talk about like some of the things that actually are powered by AI that you might have encountered in your day to day, because that yeah. would be like maybe more useful to sort of ground of what, what is it that we mean when we talk about AI. Definitely, because I think, kind of, as you mentioned, it is a current catch-all term. So to be able to give context of how our listeners may interact with AI on a daily basis, I think would be really interesting. Yeah, so I think people interact with AI all the time. It's not, it's not something that's coming in the future and it's scary. It's yeah. like, you know, your Gmail filter is, a, is, a, is an AI, a machine learning system. So when, when, when you get an email and you, your, email, your Gmail decides whether it's a spam or not, like mm-hmm. that's a, it's a small sort of automated program that makes a decision based on some probability. So that's an AI. The, your Netflix uh, or Amazon recommendations are AIs. Like they, they tell you, based on what you've watched, this is something that you might be interested in watching. That's based on some... Hence my Taylor Swift Miss Americana suggestions on Netflix. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and there's like there there's I think uh, been a recent proliferation of these kind of systems. Like there's uh, your your iPhone when you try to take a picture, it like recognizes your face and like intelligently focuses in it. That's based on sort of an AI. There's you know we have now we interact with automated translation everywhere. That's AI. Even like simple things that you you think that, you know it's like little aids to your everyday life. Like I don't know if. You you use Monzo or one of these new mm-hmm. banks, mm-hmm. and they, when you make a transaction, they automatically classify whether it's a, a food expense or a transport or something like that. That's yeah. like a classification system, and it's an AI. Yeah. So that's you know, it's there's a variety of things that we interact with on a daily basis. They're they're like some simple things, some more complex things, but they're not scary. They're here <laughs> and so, they're helpful. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's all things that we kind of encounter in our day to day lives. But why do you think it's kind of only recently that there's been a real buzz about AI? Yeah, I think there's sort of there's data about what we do that's generated everywhere. It's just that recently, I think we've had a combination of <clears throat> more of that data is available to us, and more of the data is is is, is being kept track of. Then more of that data is accessible to us, and then we have finally have sort of machines that are able to analyze and make something useful of that data. Mm. The techniques that we use to analyze the data are sort of have evolved in the last few years, and that's exciting, and it's brought a lot of people like me into the field. But but the basis of it is is, is, is not that uh, new. It's like it, it has a long history. But what is new is that sort of combination of things. We, we have more data about what we do, 
And because we have more data, we can combine the data. And then we have some, some, yeah, some methods and machines that are, is able to analyze that and give us some, some actionable insights to make our businesses more profitable mm-hmm. yeah, or run more efficiently. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think has been the catalyst then to the sort of recent proliferation of data collection and access then? So I think it's the fact that we, we like, as, as, a, as a regular business processes that we have, we, we keep a lot of data. For example, you know, if, you know, in the process of manufacturing something, you, you might, you know, keep, you know, the stock levels of whatever prime materials you need to, to make something. That's a, that's a business process and you keep the data of, of that. And, and the data is useful because then, you know, you know when it's being empty out, you can predict when it's going to, when you're going to need to buy more, you can predict your cash flow, all of these things. It's just that I think right now we can we can keep track of more of those things. So, for example, we don't just need to keep track of like the general stock level of, of something in a in a warehouse somewhere, but we can keep track of like the individual movement of individual I don't know clothes, for example. I, I don't know if this is done, but you know I can imagine like putting barcodes on every T-shirt that is ever produced, and you know we we have readers that keep track of them going from like the warehouse or manufacturing to like shipping to the stores, and mm-hmm. we know exactly not just like the volume of it being moved, but like every individual item that is being moved around yeah. the system. Mm-hmm. And that produces a lot ton of information, and you can that's in the physical world, but in the in the online world, it's even more. It's, it's even easier and cheaper. You know, every single person that clicks on your website is recorded like as a, as a visit and where they come from and where you know what was the last website they visited. Maybe we have some some history of them, and so yeah, that generates a lot of stuff. And that that data, like there was a there was a recent buzz like maybe five years ago in the world of big data, and I think it's it's a, in a similar way. Like it's just not we have access to a lot of this things and it's exciting because we think oh this is going to reveal some insights about what, what we do but before without analyzing it like there's it's not useful it's just like it's just, just a lot of there. yeah it's just yeah. a lot of files somewhere in yeah. yeah so i think recently the there has been a lot of emphasis into trying to use sort of quantitative methods to analyze that data and and make recommendations about what we should yeah. be doing in our businesses right so bring it back into like the world of like you know, as a retailer, we're trying to sell more clothes or something like that. So, yeah. or, or or make the medical processes more efficient or cheaper or whatever. Uh-huh. So, I think AI is a way that we can make use of all of that data that is available to us and, and, and make our businesses run better. Which is why we exist here at Edited. So, kind of, we've heard machine learning, you know, that's an element of AI, mm-hmm. but we'd really like you to help explain to our listeners this, explain this concept further. Yeah, like th- this whole proliferation of AI is based, I think, on, on like very simple machine learning or statistical sy- systems. And the, the, the most basic idea that you have in this is we have a, a bunch of data from the world, some, some events, let's say, or, or some, uh, yeah, like, let's imagine, you know, transactions of flats in London. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's trying, is, uh, like, the, the, the volume of uh, buying and selling of real estate in London is, is huge. And you can imagine, you have a lot of history of that, of, of those transactions, and uh, you would like to use it to be able to tell for uh, your, your flat, for example, whether you can sell it for a particular price. Uh, what, is, what is the real price of, of your flat? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, machine learning is basically the idea that you can take multiple examples of uh, transactions of flats in London 
from the past and try to make a prediction of what your flat is going to cost. So you might have, for example, the you know the square feet that your mm-hmm. uh, of the size of your flat, the distance of it from your, the nearest sta- the tube station, the number of bathrooms it has. I don't know. There's a lot of characteristics of each flat, and and then you alongside those those flats, you have the price for which they were sold, right? So you have a flat that was two bedrooms in Knightsbridge that was sold for like I don't know two million pounds, and but a similar flat in Finsbury Park will be sold for like a quarter of that, right? And so you you capture a lot of that information mm. and then you just feed it to, to an algorithm and the algorithm is is designed to to learn from those examples and then at the end you have like something that's trained and then you can ask okay so now I have a new flat that you've never seen before it has two bathrooms it's uh, in Peckham it has three bedrooms it's like I don't know 500 meters from the tube station what do you think it's going to cost and so it's it uses the knowledge that is gathered from like all of these examples in the past to make a prediction mm-hmm. and we can we can be confident that that prediction is is going to be sort of sort of accurate because we've seen so much data in the past and so that can be applied to this sort of same principle can be applied to loads of different problems in in the industry and mm-hmm. retail in particular so picking up on that what makes ai so important and useful for retailers i think recently there has been sort of proliferation of this of the use of these methods in all industry uh, so in essence retail is not special in that case but but retail does have like particular problems right like we 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 move a lot of stock retailers need to like, need to plan years in advance for a collection because it takes a long time to manufacture stuff and so they need to they need to make bets they need to make predictions about what they're going to what's going to happen in the mm-hmm. future mm-hmm. and so ai or machine learning can help us make those choices more accurately so that we we make more money or we lose less money yeah, <laughs> yeah or or we, you know we we write the we buy the right products for example yeah like an example would be you know we, we need to buy uh, a retailer is going to explain for a for a collection and it needs to make a simple decision like how how many of this t-shirt is going to sell right uh-huh. because it needs to order for that t-shirt to be manufactured i don't know six months in advance or a year in advance and so making that decision how many of these to buy is is going to be based on maybe the examples of the recollections in the past year or maybe they have a i don't know an industry group so like they look at you know what their other brands are doing and in the past i think all of this has been done using information like you know the past examples the history but but it has it relies on sort of expertise in individuals that yeah. uh, it might not be codified into something tangible whereas like these these methods allow us to like formalize that that knowledge and uh, use use that data in like a formal way and like even more data since we have it available yeah. to to help us make those decisions more accurately mm-hmm. and it'll also help us reflect right when when we make a decision and then and then the decision turns out to be wrong, then we can we can go back and say, okay, this this is a new example to be fed into our system, and yeah. then now we can we can see why it made the wrong prediction, and then try to incorporate it so that in the future it'll it'll make a better it'll make the better decision. Yeah, because yeah. I think IBM recently reported that AI capabilities could help improve annual sales revenues by ten percent mm-hmm. within retailers. So it's so important to help make those businesses businesses more efficient and effective. Do you think there's particular challenges that retailers have faced that that data can help us solve in particular? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, retailers. We were speaking about like ordering stuff for manufacture, but I think we have. I think there's a lot of logistics that uh, retailers need to do. For example, 
you you have I don't know ten shops. Is it better to maintain the stock in one central location, or do we send it to the shops? And when do we do that? And how much do we send to each shop? All of these things are sort of decisions that are based on predictions of what is what do you think is going to happen in the future. And so, if we have enough information about what has happened in the past, uh, and we have an, an, an intelligent enough algorithm, uh, a, a model that actually can can uh, reflect what is what is happening actually in the, in the shops then we can we can make those decisions more efficiently so for example it might be that it is much better to just keep a massive warehouse outside of a big city and uh, like keep all the stock there or it might be that it's much better to keep them distributed throughout the city and this is this is not new questions let's say yeah. these are questions that retailers have been asking themselves for a really long time mm-hmm. the yeah. problems that people have been solving for a long time it's just that n- now we have more data that can, we can use to solve these problems more efficiently. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and, and we have more availability of the expertise to, to use quantitative methods, operational research, uh, machine learning, uh, statistics, to, to, to deliver more accurate solutions to these problems. Because I think it is really interesting that, you know, retailers have been asking themselves these same questions that we're talking about, but they've just not necessarily been leveraging the amount of data that there is out there available to them. And in recent years, they now have the ability to do that, to make more informed decisions. And I think it would be interesting to talk about kind of the data points that we collect within Edited Mm -hmm. and what retailers can actually use from that to inform their decision making. Yeah, I think what the sort of the solutions that Edited does for their for their customers uh, what that we do for our customers is uh, is like a perfect example for this like people have been com shopping for as long as there's been research mm-hmm. right like we uh, as long as there's been retail you you go and look at what your competitors are selling mm-hmm. just to be sure that you know you, you know you're not missing out on a trend or whatever and that 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 action of like going to visit your competitors uh, store is 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 not something you think of as a data point but we do because we, we would like to, well, we do, we, we, we'd like to systematize this into like a large cohesive system that you are, can be confident about the, the information that you're using to make those decisions. So instead of sending a couple of our junior employees to go around the, the shops in Oxford Street, we collect as much product for sale on e-commerce websites as possible so that you can so that somebody making a decision about pricing or assortment or timing can make those decisions based on on the, the widest variety of data that's available not just on this market for example but maybe on the European market or in the American market so that they give themselves context about what is happening because it's such an interesting point isn't it like we have so much experience from our previous lives of of comp shopping yes definitely yeah i mean you know just to kind of pick up on the point that you were talking about before i guess that for me when i was comp shopping about a million years ago it it was it's there's a lot of human error involved you know you're you're going out to the places that you can get to within an afternoon so you've got a lot of time limits on what you can be looking at Mm -hmm. you've got you know human error and how you're counting things and are you missing something and you're relying on just that kind of one or two people to kind of pull all of this information for you so definitely I think there's an element with data and being able to provide you a much more accurate view of what is going on in the marketplace. I think as well, you know, I remember from my days of going to an American mall in my previous job, and you're reliant on that store on that day, what availability of the assortment is in that particular store, you know, when were they actually receiving replenishments of products, you know, what sizing availability is there. But in current day, using edited, what you can do is the fact that, you, as you mentioned, you could look at 
the entire assortment, which is online, whether it's in the UK, whether it's there, a regional assortment, and what is available in terms of you know, combining pricing, looking at color mixes, what's the assortment mix, average and entry price points, which can you imagine doing that all in one spreadsheet and doing that on an afternoon <laughs> on Oxford Street? I think I did it once. <laughs> but then by the time that you've created all of that, it's yeah, out of date. And exactly. Zara's brought another 2,000 products onto the market and you're really kind of chasing your tails to get that information. Yeah, exactly. And it also depends on the sensibilities of the person doing that, that search. Like one of the things that we focus a lot in here is like how do we create a like a hierarchy of research within our system, right? Like it, it, it helps that we have data from everywhere, but having data from everywhere is only half the problem because then you have to compare things. And to compare things, you need to understand what is, you know, you have to compare apples to apples, right? You need yeah. to be able to understand like what is something that's competing with something else. Mm-hmm. And so we, we focus a lot on sort of, we use AI for normalizing our data set in, in like a really large scale. So, you know, we divide everything into tops, bottoms, you know, outerwear and then like further from footwear to sandals and boots and, you know, different things so that people can actually say like, these are, this is a group of products that I know that compete in my market to my competitors. But if you were doing this manually, you would have to, you, you would still making, be making those decisions. Mm. But those decisions would be made by somebody like in a rush going into a shop and it would be based on like their current sensibility. Like, is it, is it today that they realize that this is competing with something else? Is this because they read something earlier in a blog post or something like that? We, we What we try to do is like make like, sort of wider, like more informed and standard decisions about this kind of thing so that people can be confident about those comparisons that they make. Absolutely. It's like that jump address question, isn't it? Is it like one day if you were doing as as a human, would you put that as a jumper or would you put that as a dress? Whereas using data, it's able to take all of the attributes of that product to actually make an informed decision. So you're comparing apples to apples product. Exactly. And the thing is that at the end of the day, what, what what the algorithm is doing is trying to so reproduce those sort of reproduce the mental models that people have about fashion in like it's not it's not about the essence of a dress like it's not it's not the essence of that garment to be either a dress or a sweater right yeah. it is what people think of it that makes it in a, into a category yeah. so we try to reproduce those mental models into yeah. an algorithm and and we try to do it consistently that's the important bit we we had an experiment a while ago where we 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 have this uh, footwear classifiers so it goes from like you know the wide variety so this is a this is an actual footwear product to like this is a sandal or a, or this is a chaka boot or whatever and and we we got uh, people around the office to to make those decisions in in alongside the, the machine and we found that uh, you know in the in the very simple tasks of deciding whether something is a shoe or a bottom people are really good and the machine is also really good because those mental models are easy to understand and so the errors are low but uh, as soon as it got into like more specifics, then people were making mistakes. People were making a lot of mistakes. The machines was, were making was making mistakes as well. But it was at least trying to do it in like a consistent manner. So a consistent we, mistake. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, if it's a consistent mistake, then we can understand it and then we can correct it, right? So that's easy. But you know, when 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 people are are making mistakes, uh, they're making mistakes in 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 the reports that they're doing for their uh, I don't know for for a collection yeah. in, in part of their jobs. And so we'd like to minimize those mistakes and help people actually do the analysis that is interesting. Also, one question that I have is kind of the the size of these training sets that Mm. really kind of help 
inform these models? Like how much data is it that you kind of put into these sets that inform the algorithm? Yeah, so it, it, it varies a lot. Uh, some problems are easy and so we, we don't have to use that much data. Uh, some problems are really hard and so we have to use a lot of data. So some of our training sets are like 30,000, uh, sorry, 300,000 examples of manually tagged, like this is a sandal, this is a boot, this is a shoe, this is a whatever. So others are smaller. Still, it takes a considerable amount because I think the, what you have to understand is that like humans make these decisions with a lot of context that they've learned through their lives. You know, like they mm-hmm. they they interacted with clothes since they're kids. A computer has no conception of what what what, what it is. So, and 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 it also interacts with sort of a product in a very different way than humans do. You wear it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's something useful to you. Whereas the machine is just a, for for it, it's just some data points. So like a, a name and a description and a picture yeah. in a in a in a in a you know spreadsheet. Yeah. So it needs it needs examples enough to under to, to be able to make a model about how do you how do you how do you split that into categories. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was that benchmarking exercise that you were talking about. It was so interesting that obviously in 24 hours, what edited classifies would actually take a retail professional working five days a week, seven and a half hours a day for 18 years (laughs) to actually complete that task. So I think that just the sheer speed and efficiency Mm -hmm. of actually using data to do these types of tasks that retailers still today are doing manually when actually can be do, done in a split second by yeah. applying some filters within Edited. I mean, to, to make that comparison fair, like people wouldn't be able to do that, right? Like it's impossible. Exactly, so they yeah. would use less data and, yeah. and they would use, and, and that because they're using less data or less examples of products to compare them, they're making a more biased decision. So what we're trying yeah. to help them to do, like we do, we classify something like 300 products per second. That's the amount of data that we're ingesting into our platform on a regular basis. Or, you know, we look at 50 images per second or something like that. So, you know, I, I, I know that one of our models decides whether a shoe has a heel or not. And to, to a person, that's a really simple task to do. You can decide that. But can you do it at 50 shoes per second? Probably yeah. not. But we can, right? That's So that's the... So the sustainability of it as well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That biased decision of like, oh, we're going to make a decision on the pricing of our leggings assortment because I walked through Topshop on Oxford Street and I saw that they were priced at 19.99. So that's informed me, but that's only one set of data and actually there's a huge amount more that we could be looking at. Exactly. And also, like, it allows you to to have hypotheses and test those hypotheses really quickly, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you, with a platform like Edited, you can you can think, oh, you know what? I think everybody's getting into leggings this, you know, summer or something like that. And then you can quickly check it. And you don't need to go out and, like, I don't know, review the literature of, like, you know, blog posts uh, or or visit every shop in Oxford Street. But you can just make a search and say, like, you know, are the, are the number of New in leggings, leggings yeah, yeah. larger than the ones last year? And you can do that because we've organized the data, uh, because we have machines to do a lot of these, like, menial tasks that yeah. you don't have to do that anymore. I think it's really interesting that you brought up the hypothesis idea. Like, it's always important to have your own hypothesis before trying to back it up with data, not mm-hmm. necessarily going in to find the answer, but to mm-hmm. back up your own hypothesis. Just as an, as an example, sometimes we get asked questions with our, with our customers, you know, how how is data going to help me predict a trend like Yeezy's, like Kanye West's Yeezy brand and, and, and his sneaker success, which kind of came from relatively little, little hype and nothing. Where does yeah, that come yeah. from? So, yeah, I mean, things like that are really difficult to predict. And, and to that point, like algorithms, AI, machine learning, statistics, they're all based on historical data. So... You know, something that is completely new 
they're very unlikely to be able to pick it up either, right? So I think spotting a trend is one of those problems that are difficult. And but on on the other hand, they they never happen in isolation, right? Like the you know the easiest thing, probably we wouldn't have been able to know like two years in advance, but like. It, it didn't. It didn't spring up from nothing, right? Like there's probably some interest in social media, people sharing pictures. Like if 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 you can imagine like some some sort of world and we have access to like some sort of feed of all of these events, there could have been a way that we would have pinpointed that yeah. as a as a perfect storm. As a, yeah, as a, as a as some sort of trend that happened before. But on the other hand, we probably would have made a lot of mistakes, right? Like we probably picked a lot of like non-events that we then that we thought like you know this has the all the all the all the workings of a, of a of a a huge trend, trend. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, like algorithms, they 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 help you with these sort of uh, tasks. But but there's there's always a need for that domain expertise. You know, there's always a need for somebody with experience in fashion to do you know to to analyze it, to to ask themselves questions, to to make hypotheses that are interesting. Yeah, to, to know what is possible and what is not possible. I yeah. think. Yeah. Because that's something that we kind of hear, like, you know, within the industry, should people be worried about their jobs being replaced by AI? You know, we had one customer who who even asked us that Mm. one time. Is that is that something that happens all the time? Like, are people really scared of like robots a, coming to take their I jobs? Think it's a gen- <laughs> I think it's a general topic of discussion. I know that yeah. we we do a lot of work with the universities, and it's one of the things that students always tend to ask. Is like, you know, because obviously they're concerned about the future of jobs that are available to them within the retail and, and kind of fashion sectors. So I think yeah. it is something that people are quite concerned about. Yeah, but I think it's also interesting to understand like what roles. Can a computer be better at, yeah. re, you know, replacing and replicating? Yeah, I think like I, I, this is a really difficult question to answer because I think people are right in worried that their lives are going to change. Like, but but that this might not necessarily be a bad thing. Like, and instead of like speaking about jobs that are going to go away, I would think of tasks that are going to go away. Like, I, I once heard I don't I'm gonna uh, just be safe and say somebody said. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, machine learning is or AI is like uh, is like the production of, of of dishwashers. You know, it's like it's a, it's a device that helps you do something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to. It's, there's not a robot that's going to come and start designing the next amazing you know collections. There's not going to be a sort of a digital Alexander McQueen or something like that. It's going to be something that helps you do tasks that are currently difficult for people but they are easy for machines yeah. uh, so in the example of edit it's really easy for us to I mean easy it's 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 feasible for a machine to go through 500 products a second and make small decisions about what they are right whereas for a person that's really difficult they would have to like you know even just think about the physical you know constraints yeah. of doing a task like that it's impossible to look at 500 products in a second right yeah. but for a machine that's not that's not hard on the other hand like you know, machines don't, they're not people, they don't, they don't interact with clothes. They don't, you know, and so a lot of, a lot of the, the, the industry is based on like, you know, people's feelings, people's relationship yeah, to, yeah. to, to the products that they like, you know, they care about the, you know, the, there's influences from other media and, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I think so in a sense, like this, this world of AI is going to come and make the jobs more interesting rather than get rid of them. Yeah. yeah take those menial tasks away from them. So 
obviously working at Edited, I know what it is that we do here, but I think it'd be really good for you to explain to our listeners, you know, Mm. what it is that we do at Edited and how do we harness AI within our platform Mm. to help retailers drive sales and improve their own business performance. Yeah, so I think like the biggest example is the the one we've been speaking about a little bit, like comp shopping, right? We, We collect data from something like 90,000 brands or something like that. It's uh, at the rate of something like 500 products a second. Mm-hmm. We have information about 550 billion products in our in our platform. And what, what the data science team does within that is we try to make that data, to, to normalize the data, to, to make the data analyzable by uh, somebody who has a hypothesis about, you know, a product or yeah. a collection or something like that. So a lot of it is to to tag products with like little aids so that we know that they are compatible. Like you know, we divide everything into like a cohesive hierarchy of you know garment categories, subcategories, styles. But then we also pick up things like details. We analyze their images to pick up when they have a pattern or the specific uh, nuance of a color and things like that so that you can filter through that data very quickly and, and then compare things like their pricing or the or the time that they came into the market or when was the discount applied, mm-hmm. how much of a discount has been applied. And I think it's just interesting to pick up on the, the point you're talking about normalizing the data and, and how we kind of put things into, into categories here at Edited. So just to, to, to give some kind of examples, there are many retailers out there that will have a dresses assortment that appears on their, on their <laughs> website. But within that dresses website, you will have play suits and jumpsuits and boiler suits and things that will, uh, will appear within that category. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's that kind of all in one dressing. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a good, good way for people to do things and an edited can help us actually strip out from you know just even manually looking at those sites exactly what is a, an actual dress rather than a jumpsuit and that kind of 100%. thing so that we can get more uh, more accurate counts you can slice and dice the data based on you said actual like for like products versus how a retailer categorizes it or displays it on their, on yeah. their website i mean uh, and, a, and a retailer can categorize stuff in the for, for a variety of different reasons like even just like how it looks nicely on a website mm-hmm. but but we need to be able to tell okay from this retailer and this other retailer these products are are equivalent let's say they, they occupy a similar space in the market and mm-hmm. that's that's the main sort of tasks that ai help us Solve. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, Grace, from your experience as a, as a retail strategist here and working with some of our brands, what would you say the kinds of decisions that, that people are, could be using in retail with AI? Yeah, I mean, there's so many business challenges that we get asked on a daily basis. Uh, Our in-house retail strategist teams, they're kind of the adoption and integration experts within the business. So we work directly with our customers to understand what those objectives are. But I guess there's kind of three key areas that we, you know, tend to focus on or um, work with our customers on. So one of them being seasonal planning. You know, an example being a category like outerwear or swimwear, which we know is extremely seasonal. And the challenges that we're facing in, you know, whether it's climate change or when retailers are bringing those products in, it's really interesting and important for our customers to know when are their competitors launching that and how is that changing over time? So being able to see, are they launching them in August, September, October, even down to the week can actually really make a difference to your business. And then looking at that, you know, how does that differ in Spain to Russia and being able to make those decisions most effectively? 
But then also kind of trading when you're in season, you want to maximize margin, really kind of understanding, you know, have my competitors just launched a promotion? You know, how much of their assortment is on promotion or on discount? What's the level of that? How is that changing? Being able to pinpoint that exact day, but then also understanding what was the communication of that method. So you can do all of that within edited But also things like spotting Mm. trends, like micro trends that we were mentioning, you know, where you can track new in products and get alerts to that. You know, we know a lot of our customers allocate some of that open to buy to that chase product that they can react to in the season, you know, and get onto shop floors within a matter of weeks. Mm. So being able to kind of pinpoint that. And then I guess like that post sales, you know, hindsight retro, but also looking at discounting time periods. And, you know, we hear the, you know, $4 billion worth of excess inventory that H&M has. So, you know, how do we, how do we equip retailers to really sell through that product Mm -hmm. and making sure that they're buying the the right amount for future seasons and, and having a compelling message but yeah, I mean, Black Friday, it is startling how, you know, it's such an important part of our role and being able to kind of make sure that our customers feel that they have all of the resources yeah. and the competitor intelligence to be able to execute as a strategy successful. because we know how important and even more so as time goes on that those those days are becoming to the retail calendar. What's what's surprising to me, I think, as a person who could, I mean, I didn't grow up in retail, let's say I, I come from a different world, but have been working in this for, for, for a while now, is how how big those decisions are and how, like yeah. how, I mean, and they're mainly or traditionally been based on like, you know, the expertise of, of single individuals, like yeah. people who, who who have like the industry in their heads, right? Mm-hmm. And those people are amazing, right? Like they've been able to do this job like for such a long time and do such a good job of it, like with, with, with just hints of information from everyone. Yeah. I guess I, what I would like to create or like help create, and I think Elliot is, is doing is trying to bring tools so that these people can can have like concrete evidence to say like this is a decision and it, it's backed by this or yeah. or change their minds like say you know this is something that I thought was going to happen but maybe the maybe the data is showing otherwise right? yeah mm-hmm. and I think it's always there's always going to be that need for that amazing expertise that the people in retail have absolutely uh, which is going to f- help them with more information it can make a real difference can't it when you're in that scenario when you're presenting a strategy to your director or your vp and to be able to have some really hard facts and hard data points can really make that decision come through and people yeah. trust trust your just your to have that little bit of extra confidence something yeah. behind you that's that that you're able to pinpoint and say this was the gut feeling that I had and it is backed up by this hard concrete information mm-hmm. is going to, you know, it's going to help you, you know, potentially buy enough product because you're maximizing it enough mm. because you've looked at the data behind it mm-hmm. to give you the confidence to go ahead. I think it's absolutely kind of crucial that people start to embrace it more to, to back up these kind of amazing ideas, creative ideas that, that you know, only the people can have. We had an interesting example recently. One of our customers, they're a regional office and they needed to present to the CEO of the group that the UK market operates very differently to that of 
the French market or different European regions. And they know that it operates very differently from their experiences and the years that they've spent there. But to be able to then quickly pull a report and show the fluctuations and discounts and the frequency and the cadence mm. made that decision. And they then were able to obtain, you know, discounting and pricing autonomy from that HQ because yeah, they were yeah. had those hard facts to back it up. Yeah. And that's a really interesting example, right? Because I think everybody thinks of themselves as special and interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But I do. <laughs> <laughs> you are Vicky. <laughs> but, but being able to, to demonstrate that is a really powerful tool. And actually, uh, the opposite is also true. Like actually realizing that you're not that different after all is a really important piece of insight that you can learn about your industry, right? Because as, as, as these people can now have autonomy in pricing, somebody else can, can say, you know what, like probably we, the fact that we're not following the general strategy is hurting us because we think of ourselves as special. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm. It's definitely that feeling in the industry sometimes. There is, there is. <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the, the, the processes that the edited can, can help retailers with. Let's talk about AI in the wider retail landscape and what makes it so important and useful for people. What kind of applications of AI are you seeing that are super useful outside of what it is that we provide here at Edited? Yeah, so I think there's there's some 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 applications that are sort of not, not just retail, but like they, they happen, they're happening everywhere. Anything that has to do with manufacturing, for example, there's uh, or, or anything that you need, you need to keep some inventory. So the, the the keeping of inventory is an expensive thing, right? It's a mm-hmm. lot of capital that's tied up in something that's just stored away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's been a lot of work into trying to use data about these processes and algorithms to make the process of inventory management uh, more efficient. Uh, and in like a sort of a slightly different uh, but but related ways, logistics, like where, where do we move stuff, like how do we move it, uh, you know. But then in, in retail specifically, there's there's been some really interesting things happening in price optimization. I think uh, the, 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 the airline industry was a pioneer in this, like they, they've mm-hmm. always priced last minute, like all the tickets. But I think recently the retail industry has been picking up a little bit of cues on that, like when, when do we apply discounts, how do we price things, they might, you know, you might need... You, you might like on a, on a global scale, the, the price at where you start maybe determines how much profit you're going to be able to extract from a particular product or something. Like if you start really high and then you get I don't know, some some like limited buyers, or you start a little bit lower, but then you have like more volume or something yeah. like that. That's sort of like a really simple idea. But then you, if you can move that across you like a, a scale, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we, on in e-commerce, right? Like that, that can happen on even the variations can happen on a daily basis, right? So, and yeah, that, that that's something where I've seen more uh, sort of efforts being applied to. Then I think in fashion, recommenders have always been a thing. Like if you like something, you, we want to recommend you something else because you, you know, you, you might be interested in it. And yeah. I think we were talking about Netflix and Amazon recommendations. It happens in the same way. Is in fashion is a bit diff- different because um, you buy clothes from a lot of different places, right? So trying to solve that problem is a bit harder. So there's there's been like I don't know there's companies like Thread and yeah that they they try to do it across like a wider brands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because those recommender systems could be there to kind of increase that average order value and yeah. basket size. And a particularly like Thread is an interesting model because it's, you know, menswear and that's, you know, within that market, men like to be yeah. offered kind of outfitting options. So yeah, it's so interesting. And then, yeah, there's, there's also a few 
that are like I, I don't know I don't want to say gimmicky but they are they they sort of signal some sort of technology that I think it's a bit farther away like I don't know if you've seen those adverts of like the Amazon Amazon Go Shop or the Sara self checkout or things, things where there's like computer vision systems that are looking at what you pick up from the shop and then yeah. they already charge you by the time you get out and you never have to interact or see another person in your life. <laughs> I think, I don't know, just like, put it in your bag I, I'm, and I'm a little out. bit more skeptical about those systems. I think there's, some, there's definitely some something there, but I think those are not really solving... Yeah, why uh, are you skeptical about them? I think they, they, they're not really solving some, like, like pressing problems that these companies are having now. Yeah. Like, it's not like Sarah is, like, having, like, a real problem with, like... I don't know. Selling anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is true. I don't know. Inefficiencies in the till or something like that. Those are, I don't think those are like the real issues that they have. Yeah. I guess the, I guess the one thing that I would pick up on is that a lot of, a lot of, one of the topics that we've talked a lot through this podcast is uh, lack of um, friction. Friction. <laughs> Lead it. Thank you. Mm. It's, 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 it's a lack of friction from kind of deciding that you want something into purchasing it. And for anyone that's uh, for anyone that stood in the queue at Zara and and, and, yeah, and, and been in that queue to go up to the till and it to automatic for, for the automatic till of the self checkout. Sorry, for it to pick up exactly what you've got in your hand, and you even get the little thrill of detagging it, like you know, mm. like pretending when you were little <laughs> and working in the shop. shop. Um, it, it, it it's, it's a genuinely ni- much nicer experience from 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 my point of view. So I think there is a little bit of customer experience stuff there, isn't there? I think it's interesting because the queues for those self checkouts at Zara, I think obviously it's different in grocery stores and and like Sainsbury's, for example, where people tend to use self checkout now. But it doesn't seem to be as popular yet. So it's always a it's always if you're if you're willing to take to try it out, you yeah. always have a quicker experience and to get in and out. And I think automation, like self checkouts, all of these things are. are it's not I mean they are they, they probably contain some AI in there but like what I mean is like those systems where like they follow you around the shop yeah. and they already know what you have in your bag yeah. and things yeah. like that I don't like I think I'm more skeptical of those systems yeah. I think the, the self-checkout might be solving some real issues like yeah. of cost of shops or something like that but in, in that sense like you might be biased by going to the one in Oxford Street which is always uh, always busy always busy yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the, I guess the, the ones that I'm particularly interested in, because I think they're they're a bit a bit more medium term, let's say they're not they're not just coming now, but they are sort of like we've seen some indications of them are sort of AI assisted decision making. I, I think you, there was a story last week or something like that of uh, some AI system that helps doctors diagnose, do, help doctors make medical diagnosis, yeah. basically. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a system that has to be, you know, handled with a lot of care because obviously a machine making a, a wrong decision has like real, Massive like scary implications. Yeah. But as a, as a tool to help a doctor make a decision is really useful. And I think that can be applied to a lot of different problems, uh, especially yeah. like we were talking about how much expertise people have in, in, in retail and fashion. There's there's a, there's a lot to be said of uh, for for methods that allow to make, for example, discounting decisions based it, leave them to a person, but a person has a lot of expertise, but help them make the decision via some algorithms that are looking at a lot of data and yeah. have learned from like the history of you know all of your retail experience. Let's yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Just to kind of wrap this up, Alejandro, if there is one thing that you would like our listeners to take away from this podcast episode, what would it be? 
I think uh, we were talking about this earlier. I think my, my, the phrase that I often use is AI is not magic. Hang on a minute. It's not magic. It's not magic. <laughs> <laughs> not to be scared of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I like to bring sort of the, the problems that it's trying to solve, like to, to, to real, like everyday problems. We were saying like comp shopping or like, you know, inventory management. Uh, they, they are problems that we have, like questions that we've been asking ourselves for a long time that we've been solving through other methods. AI just help us solve those problems. It's just another tool. So it's not like a robot's going to come and, like, you know, take our jobs and, like, design the new collection. I don't know, some, some sci fi. <laughs> <laughs> End of the world yeah. style movie. <laughs> exactly. It's not, it's, not, it's not a dystopian future of, like, just robots making everything that's valuable and useful. It's, it's, they are dishwashers, they help us do our jobs better. Uh, yeah. There we have it, everyone. AI is dishwashers. <laughs> I know, I love that analogy. <laughs> I do not like washing up plates myself, so I was thrilled whoever invented the dishwasher. But for our listeners, if they want to connect with you in the future or learn more about the work that you're doing, Alejandro, what's the best way for them to connect? Yeah, add me on LinkedIn. Probably look at the description of the web- of the podcast and learn how to spell my name because it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I think there's an email from the podcast that... Yeah. Ask me questions. If you want to get in contact at unedited at edited.com, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line. But thank you so much for joining us, Alejandro. We love talking about it. It was absolutely about... fascinating. No thank you problem. so, so this much. Has been a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Unedited today. If you've enjoyed the conversation with the wonderful Alejandro, make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with upcoming episodes. It would make our day if you could rate, review or subscribe to us. You can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.